Another episode, woo! Inserts, claps here. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, yes, it's another week, another day, recording. You know, we out here. So many new things. So I guess I'll start with my weekly updates. Um. Really, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um. Just been working on my little side hobbies and whatnot. A lot of stuff is coming soon. I'm dropping something on social media on March 30th, and then I am also relaunching my clothing store on April 15th. And yes, I know, a relaunch already, but honestly, my vision just wasn't together. So that's what I'm doing right now. Um, yeah. Mariana? Uh, yeah, so last time I was extremely bitter and hurt. Um, about a position that I applied for and thought I wasn't going to hear back from. But um, surprise, surprise, I actually was offered the job. Thank you, Jesus. Um, Yes, thank you. Uh, So, yeah, that's like the only new thing that's been happening with me. I've been focused on um, figuring out when I'm going to move and all of that. Uh, yeah, closing down my hair business. Thank you, Jesus, as well, because I'm so done doing that. Um, <laughs> yeah, but that's pretty much it. Lexi, yeah. seriously, why do you want to look yourself right now? <laughs> yes, Morena will be moving at the end of April. Next month. Sad, sad, sad. It's pretty crazy. The stuff that, you know, we've talked about is starting to come to fruition. Um, I'm not going to say anything about myself yet because I really don't know what's going to be happening in the next couple months. But I guess the uh, beginning of May, we'll find out if I will still be here, too. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. God willing, everything falls in place. But yes, good stuff is happening. Um... New York is, it's still March, so she's still, I really don't know if she's, I think she's still doing the whole 30, um, but she will be back, um, TBA, to be announced, I think that's what you say. TBD. To be determined. determined. (laughs) Yeah, but yes, last episode, we had the guys versus girls panel, um, and it was me with some of the guests there. People really liked the episode, and it was really fun just talking to, and, yeah. Is, is Steve Scott one name? Yes, because That's so, dope. He's, so his <laughs> name was Scott, but then it kind of switched to Steve, and now I just call him Steve Scott. But, um, yeah, so if you guys have any comments on that, too, or what y'all thought about the episode, 
Yeah, that was interesting. Honestly, listening to it, like, I was talking back. And I was just like, damn, I wish I could have been there. <laughs> yeah. They some funny dudes, man. They some funny dudes. But they're some good guys. So, I really... I'm glad I'm friends with them. With some cool people, the rest of y'all out there can E-A-D. What? Damn. Um, and pretty much this episode will be about the movie Us, Jordan Peele, a freaking production genius, mastermind, amazing. Yeah, there will be some spoiler alerts, so. Yes, so if you haven't seen the movie Stop listening to this right now. And honestly, um, like, this is one of these things, like, you should have went this past weekend. Yeah, I'm sorry. I really wasn't going to wait much longer than four days after the movie came out to discuss it. Because if you try to see this movie in the next one to two weeks, everybody already knows everything about it by then. So, it was bound for us to talk about it. Yes. But we saw it this weekend. Um, I saw it twice on Friday and Saturday, and then Saturday is when me and Miranda went to go see it with some other friends. And personally, what can I say? I loved it. I gave it a 10 out of 10. You got notes. Well, I pretty (laughs) much just said, like, (laughs) yeah. My rating for it was a 10 out of 10. And... It just hit every it hit every nail. It hit every point. I um, left the theater in deep thought the same way I left when I saw Get Out. You know, the two movies are different. You can't really compare them. Um, Jordan Peele even himself said you can't compare them um, because they're about two totally different things. But it was a great movie. Marina, your thoughts on it? Yeah, honestly, it made my head hurt and it it's really one of those movies that requires you to like really pay attention and think a lot and it's definitely one that you have to see more than once and honestly I don't even know if two times will even allow you to catch everything um and so after I saw it the first time like we had we went the group well this was I guess this is Cash's second time seeing it so but it was my first time seeing it so afterwards um we kind of had a discussion within the group and like as we were talking there were so many things that i missed so i do plan to see it a second time now having that discussion and reading like a few think think what is it called think pieces yeah some think pieces um but it was really good like people who said that they didn't like it it just it threw me off like i don't know if y'all are just unintelligent (laughs) or like I guess it just went over some people's heads like yes you actually have to use your brain um but it was good yeah um I agree I was very thrown off when people said they didn't like the movie because to me it was just it hit every point of what I would make or I would deem a good thriller a good I wouldn't say it was horror because there really wasn't much gore and guts and screaming. It was very um psychologically I don't know. I was gonna say titillating. Is <laughs> yes, it was very just like if I was to make a movie or if I was to write a book, that's how I would write it. 
not anything that's straightforward. You need to use context clues. You need to think. You need to uh, be really in tune to the movie the whole time in order to understand it. So for me, if anyone didn't like the movie, in my mind, it just equates to you not understanding the full grasp of the entire movie. Like, how could you not like that movie? And then for the people who compared it to Get Out, Jordan Peele literally said that Get Out was a documentary and Us was a horror movie, I think that's what yeah. he said. Yeah, and Us was a horror movie. Like, it's not, they're not the same thing. He didn't even center it around the same main topic or main issue that he wanted to focus on. So, um, basically, okay, so we'll just get into the whole movie. So, the movie is essentially about a woman who goes back to her childhood home during the summertime. It becomes their summertime home with her husband. Um, And she had an experience when she was a child that traumatized her. And she pretty much felt as if the trauma wasn't leaving. It was only increasing and the danger was still around. Well, turns out that she wasn't wrong. And they come to the summer home. They go to the beach for the day. They come back at night. And what do you know? There's a family there that, what, breaks into their house or whatever. And the family is just like them. Uh, Basically, the movie goes on and they're running from this family. They're trying to kill the family before the family kills them. And each one of them has a doppelganger. And these people are called the tethered. And uh, essentially, these are clones of the people above ground. And so throughout the whole movie, they just try to get away from the tethered and survive, essentially. And they it comes or they find out eventually that this isn't just a singular incident. This is going on all across America. And it's only a problem in America, as far as we know. And um, the problem was basically created by the government. So, yeah, that is pretty much like the gist of the movie. But as far as the theories and the deeper underlying meanings in it, uh, we're going to, I guess, kind of break down our interpretations of that. Sure. So, is there any specific points you want to start from? (laughs) Um, Well, the most, like confused the part that I guess had me for so long in the movie was not was not realizing that that was not the real Adelaide yeah like that was crazy to me at the end to realize that it was the The, tethered yeah the whole time yeah like and then of course like now looking back and then you see the instances where it clearly wasn't her like when she's snapping off B, right. when she did that like growl thing when she mm-hmm. murdered the other person with the scissors. It was just like, damn, that was really clever. Like, I did not catch that. Right. Yeah, it was pretty crazy during the whole movie. Once you come to the end and you realize that the Adelaide that's actually above ground is in fact the doppelganger this whole time, it really just throws you off a loop. Um, it really just kind of throws you off and then once like once I did watch the movie a second time I did pay closer attention to Adelaide 
And if you look throughout the whole movie, her eyes aren't as expressive. Whenever the family, um, whenever whenever the tethered family comes and breaks into their house, um, Red, who is the doppelganger, she is showing way more emotion than Adelaide is whenever she's like chained to the table. Uh-huh. And she's like crying. She's like, the girl and the boy. She's literally like bawling. What part was this? At the beginning, whenever they break into the house and she's telling the story of what happened. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if you go back and watch it, it's like pain. Like, she's pain. Yes, you can literally see the emotion pouring out of her. And Adelaide is just like... And initially, when you see the movie, you think she's just shocked. But Mm -hmm. no, she's literally... That's not her. (laughs) And so, that part was crazy. And then, yeah, like the snapping part. Um, And this is like a cool fact about people who have rhythm, <laughs> usually people of color. Um, <laughs> essentially, we we catch the beat on the 214 of the beat. So when it was like, da-dun-dun, da-dun-dun, like we would clap on the 214 of that. But if you watch the movie, she was clapping on the one and three. And a lot of people... I'm not going to say any specific type of people, but (laughs) they catch the beat on the one and three. And so they're more like, so it's like, you're still on beat, but you're not on beat. And so if you could catch that in the movie, then you could definitely tell like, okay, something ain't up. Um, So that definitely was one thing. Um, And another thing that a lot of people had a question about was what the movie focused on in general. Mm -hmm. And so after we watched the movie a second time and we were discussing it, um, someone in our group brought up like, oh, I think it was about how black women, you know, they just got to take on the world and like they're the ones really going to bat for the family. And though I do believe that is true, I do not necessarily think that that was the, the main. Yeah, that was not the scope of this movie. I felt as if Jordan Peele was trying to focus on elements of America, hence U.S., us, United States. Um, And he was focusing heavily on, like, classism as well as, I can't think of the word. I feel like it starts with a P. But anyway, oh, privilege, yes. (laughs) So, classism and privilege. And um, if you pay attention, so the tethered, who are the clones, uh, essentially represent the lower class. The lower class, nothing is going to get done for them. Nothing's going to change for them unless they literally come and take it. Um, We see that reflected in society. Like people have been working and living below the poverty line for years. Mm -hmm. Even though we have all these things in place, nothing has really essentially changed. The minimum wage hasn't even gone up in majority of states. Like stuff isn't really changing for these people. And these people make up a large amount of society. So the tethered represented the people who, if they wanted to get something done, the only thing that would get done was if they, you know, came and took it. The, um, so I forgot the name of their family, but Adelaide's family, their family represented the middle class. So the middle class, uh, you know, they're 
they can afford what they have. They have what they need. It might not be the most high tech, might not be the newest, might not be the cleanest, but they still got what they need. And they also understand that in order for them to maintain this style or maintain the place that they're in, they're going to have to work to some extent to do that. Um, and they're going to have to be aware of the world around them. So Adelaide's family represented the middle class to me as if, you know, we understand we ain't, we ain't the Joneses, but we're also not struggling from paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. And so Adelaide in there, so Adelaide had a family. Her husband had a, a family that I guess was a friend of theirs. Those people represented the upper class, the 1%, whatever you want to call them. And so if you noticed in the beach scene when he was talking about the boat to his friend, and he was like, oh, yeah, I finally got a boat, da-da-da. And the guy was like, do you got a flare gun? Do you got so-and-so? You know, that family had a brand-new boat. It was well-equipped. The twin daughters were really bratty. They yeah. were kind of rude. I didn't like them. Um, you could kind of see that they were upper class. They were very privileged. The wife had gotten work done on her face. You know, she didn't really like her husband. She was like, I wish I could kill him sometimes. You could kind of tell that even though they had everything they wanted, they were kind of unhappy. So they represented the upper class to me. So comfortable that you really just kind of, life is dull. You don't really appreciate a lot of things. Um, and you can easily like manipulate or change certain things that are in like close proximity to your lifestyle. So those are the three types of classes I think it represented. Um, I feel like I just talked a lot. <laughs> Do you have anything to say? <laughs> um, oh, okay. <laughs> so I'll further just kind of keep explaining. So in the scene where um, they go to the friend's house or it, it, the movie focuses on the white family. And whenever the wife's talking and she's like, oh, I think someone's outside. And the husband, like, nonchalantly, he's like, no, nah, no one's outside. Like, we got Ophelia, you know, and we got the lights. Everything's automatic. We're good. That's also another representation of the classism that's reflected in the movie. These people were so comfortable with their lifestyle, with the money that they had. Like, they were not expecting this horrible horrific event that was happening all across america so then whenever those people pop out whenever the tethered pop out and kill them like nobody in the movie theater expected it because it just was not something that you would think was gonna happen like if anything you thought that adelaide's family was gonna run up and be like hey let us in some crazy yeah. shit's going on i definitely was not expecting them to have their own people right like Nobody was expecting it. And so that kind of reflects like the upper class, you know, they think everything is so good and shit is just like made. Yeah, untouchable. Like you're just these elite people that you're not expecting anything to happen to you. Like nobody, nobody expects anything to happen to them. But when you got the top notch of the top notch, you really not expecting nothing to happen 
So they were all caught off guard. And of course they died easily because they weren't prepared. They had never had to face anything very difficult in their life. So what made them think that anything difficult was going to happen to them? So if you see, like you can clearly see the parallels between reality and the movie within that. And then Adelaide and their family, they literally had to fight every single stage in the movie. And it was like, yeah, they're good. Like they weren't broke. They had a house during the summer. They had all of these things. But in order for them to even survive survive or exist, they had to fight the tether. They had to move. They had to manipulate certain areas or parts in order to make it through. So uh, that's just kind of where I think the movie mainly focused on. And then also the Hands Across America thing. It was a real thing like in the 1980s. Uh, And even I think Winston Duke on the Breakfast Club interview, he was saying like, yeah, like, you know, the Hands Across America thing, it it was pretty much a failure because all of these people who were kind of um, entitled and privileged decided to come together for a day or a certain amount of time, try to raise all this money and do this huge event that just ultimately was not orchestrated well. America's topography literally won't allow for people to join hands across or from coast to coast. And then the amount of money that they wanted to make for this charity event, I think the goal was 50 million. They only ended up reaching about 15 million and donating that to charity because they didn't account for the amount of money it would take to even put this thing on. And then after this day, after this hands across America event, everybody just, yeah, everybody went back to their regular lives. So it's like, what? Like, how can you, how come you can do something for a day and then just expect it to be better? But then there's still people who are living a pay, paycheck to paycheck. There's still people who don't have basic living needs. There's still people who don't even have a roof over their head. Like, realistically, America has this issue with throwing grand events or doing grand things and nothing changes. Like, look at history. Nothing really changes. There's still majority of people who are poor and living below the poverty line. Like, that's insane. So I think Pill really was a genius for tying that into the whole movie. Like, that was one of the underlying messages I think a lot of people just didn't even get. Like within the movie, yeah. I watched his interview today and I liked how he talked about, um, how one like how you said some people may think that the main point was like that there's always a strong black woman carrying the family. Um, and he pointed out like the reason that they used a Howard sweatshirt and, um, just like the significance of that and showing that and then like using his physical size and all Mm -hmm. these things to say that he projected like he was a strong black man but in reality she was the one who had to take care of the family yeah and i definitely feel like the husband did represent kind of like this oh this is the american dream or like this is like nothing's wrong nothing if you really you know stick to it you can get you know what you want but yeah in reality that's not the case there really are boundaries 
And there really are rules and laws that prevent people from moving further in their life in society. Mm -hmm. And it's like if you don't even have exposure to those tools or access to those programs, how do you expect to get out of a situation that you're in? Is how, What is that going to do for you? Right. What is that going to do for you unless you take that into your own hands and you apply it and you become street smart in the sense that, look, when it came down to it, are you really going to be able to survive? Like if somebody took away the internet, if somebody took away access to certain things, who are you without those things? You know? So I definitely liked that element of the movie. It was very interesting. My head is hurting again. Yeah, it's <laughs> like this it's is, a lot. It's a physical pain to There's, dissect this. There really is so many elements to the movie. So let's talk about the sun. Because oh, yeah. from what I read, ultimately they've tried to say that he wasn't the one that wasn't burned was mm-hmm. the regular son like that he wasn't a clone or mm-hmm. he wasn't the tether but i still think that he was <sighs> yeah it's just that part i don't know because like i feel like i don't know yeah it's so with the son you know there's an argument of him being the tethered and not being the tethered and i think that's one of the things jordan pill wanted us to kind of conclude on our own but there are so many clues that like pointed to him being the tethered. So at the beginning, if you notice, when Adelaide and the family are at the table eating, she's the only person eating strawberries. And she keeps saying, Jason, please eat for me. Like, please eat something real for me. But he essentially didn't touch his food. So that was one point. Um, also in the car, when they are driving to the beach, and she's like, come on, snap on beat. And then he start, he like starts snapping, and he snaps on beat almost instantly mm-hmm. but he snaps on her beat not you know the two and four beat that was another point and then in the movie whenever um he like scares his sister for one if you notice he has a mask on the entire time mm-hmm. and the mask is of like an animal or something and he likes to hide he likes to like do weird stuff throughout the entire movie so at the beginning he scares his sister and then he goes into the closet and then she kicks the the little ambulance car. She kicks it and locks him in the closet. And then um, the or Adelaide comes back, finds him, and the sister is like, "Didn't this happen to you last summer?" So that was kind of like, "What? Like, what do you mean this happened to him last summer?" So there was so many clues that kind of pointed to him being tethered. Like, that's not all, but. Throughout the movie, there's other clues, like when he's on the beach and one of the twins from the White family, like, kicks over his his sand creation. And he's like, oh, I was just building tunnels. And then also whenever he's playing with the the magic trick that he has, mm-hmm. and the sister's like, well, what does it do? And he's like, I, I can't really remember. remember. Yeah. He's like, I can't really remember. I'm not sure what it's supposed to do. Like, there's just all this evidence that essentially... In my mind, it, it it makes sense for him to have been taken the previous summer. For whatever reason, something happened to him. Um, he was taken or he wandered off and he came back. And that actually wasn't the real Jason. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. There was just so many points. Like he was, the, he was the only person who noticed the family in the driveway. He pointed and he was like, hey, look, mom, 11-11. 
And then he also, like, when he was in the closet with the tethered um, version of, of himself, he figured out instantly that the tether literally mirrored everything his movements. Did, yeah, yeah, literally everything he did, he figured that out instantly. I don't know. There was just a lot of things that suggested he could have been the tethered, but then also things that suggested he wasn't. And maybe he really was just similar to his mom and, like, that's very like yeah. very connected. Yes, just very connected. Cause he did look at his mom crazy after he end. noticed. Yeah, at the end he was like, uh. But he also bitch, you was, know my mama? yeah. Well, I guess yeah, cause he was he watched her kill the other one. Right, and then also um, he did like I don't know like I don't feel like his characteristics could have changed that drastically necessarily from being tethered. Right. Like if he like was switched. How to talk and all that. Yes, yes. But I mean, granted the the tethered and the real the real people, they did have very close characteristics and that could have been why his mouth was burned. Maybe they didn't want him to talk or anything. I don't know. Maybe he regressed and he became more animalistic after that. I don't know. But um I really just think it's based on what you want to believe if he was the tethered or not. But I don't know. I think I kind of concluded that he wasn't the tethered as well. I'm just, in my mind, I'm thinking he was just very connected. But there was a lot of things that pointed to the fact that, like, he could be. Yeah, so. And I don't think, I think that this is one of those things that, I don't think he's going to do a sequel. Yeah. But it would be nice to have some answers to yeah. some things. Now, one thing that creeped me the fuck out, the, like, that I cannot get out of my mind is when the little girl version of Adelaide goes into the creepy house mm-hmm. and the tethered girl turns around and that fucking creepy the ass smile. smile. Like, Bro, that, that smile was And I don't know, because that... I think it's because that little girl, like, looks like me. It's very <laughs> weird. Like, the shit she was is, like, like, etched in my fucking brain. Like, yeah, that... The and movie. then, like, especially... And then, like, so... Ugh. 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 <laughs> and then... Mm-mm. I don't know. <laughs> like, no. Nah, the movie starts off... And that's the brilliance of Jordan Peele to me. It's like, the movie starts off and you're instantly... Like heartbeat is raised, edge of your seat. Yeah, I was literally exa- like anxious the whole time. Like the the beginning of the movie literally just makes you want to see more and makes you want to know what else is fucking happening here. And um, one thing I didn't say is I really just love the fact that it was a completely dark skinned family. And people talk about representation representation and all of this all the time. But, like, it really is just, like, this is another family. Like, this is just another family. The teenage daughter was normal and moody. You know, she she was good at track, but she was losing interest in track. She wanted to do other things. Jason was just a normal little boy who was a weirdo. Normal, quote, unquote. Yeah. Um, who liked to do weird things and wear a mask and hide and play, da-da-da. And, like, the family just had normal things that they wanted to do and it's like um granted i'm sure a lot of people are like that's not realistic no that is realistic because there's a lot of black families like that in america but 
like I said, they don't show that. Mm-hmm. Like they don't show that at all. And let alone that, like it is, it is good. It is kind of like a break or refreshing to see a black family not being portrayed in always like a racial role. Like, of course, they were a black family, and we did notice some of the like disparities between them and the upper class white family. Oh yeah, that girl definitely does look like you. <laughs> Isn't that fucking <laughs> that's creepy? Smile. She just showed a picture. Marina just showed a picture of herself as a little girl, and literally, that is like her. You got a double gayer. Um, Shit, am I tethered? <laughs> is am I? But tethered? like, it really is refreshing to like see people that look like you on screen and see people who might have acted similar to the way you acted. Like, I was a moody ass little teenage girl, and I really related to that one girl. Not necessarily in the fact that I didn't want to do the sport that I liked anymore, but it's just like, damn, can I just be like, you know, yeah, a teenager? Right. But um, I really like that he did that. And um, it did bring like an element of like normalcy to it. Like this is something that we should see on the TV screen, you know? So uh, another thing, if you noticed in the movie, the doppelganger, gangers or the tethered they were like exaggerated versions of the real family so if you notice the daughter what was her name mm-hmm. i forgot the daughter's name but uh, her doppelganger's name this is crazy i remember that name was umbre and umbre was like very sinister dark she was born laughing um and if you notice whenever red was like uh go follow oh zora her name was zora yeah her name was zora so when red was like go play with zora umbre or whatever um (laughs) and zora started running and umbre was literally like stretching and taking her time the fact that zora did not like track zora didn't like something she was naturally good at umbre was taking advantage of the fact that track was something she was good at. So Umbre was able to run, sneak, move faster Mm -hmm. um, than Zora was. And then also Umbre was very violent, like, and very, um, I guess, kind of explosive. And if you notice, Zora was the same way, but in different aspects. Like whenever they walked into the house and she hit the twin and she beat the, she basically overkilled the twin. Like, you could see those like explosive um, moments of like violence or over the topness within Zora whenever she was doing her own thing. Or even when she like threw Umbre off of the car when she was driving the car and threw her into the woods. Like there's so many different elements. The same thing with Jason, how um, his doppelganger liked fire and Jason had this little magic trick thing in his hand and he was playing with it for the entirety of pretty much the entire movie. So you could kind of see the characteristics between them. Um, And then Abraham, who was the dad's doppelganger, you could kind of see that he was literally just like there for muscle. And to me, it kind of represented like his doppelganger Abraham was like just literally a more airheaded version 
of him. Oh, it was Gabe Gabriel. Okay, so Gabriel. I can't even remember the Gabriel, he was just so oblivious. He thought that the family wanted money when they came to the house. He wasn't really good for anything when it came to protect, protecting the family. Like Abraham's counterpart, literally, he followed every direction that Red told him because he essentially. Couldn't think for himself. He didn't even know what left from right was. So it was just like they were exaggerated versions of themselves. Um, And it kind of just, I don't know, reflected even more than like what you might take for granted. Somebody else would literally use that and utilize it to the best opportunity that they have. Um, And the only difference between that is taking the initiative, essentially, in that regard. So... Yeah, I don't know, man. There's just there's so much. There's a lot from this movie. Like, I feel like the conversation could go on forever. No, it really could. It really, really could. And um, it is just uh, it. I don't know. The ending really was just like twisted because um, I think even on Winston Duke's interview, he was like, at the end of the movie, you really don't even know who's good or bad. Like. Yes, the tether, they rose up and they killed all of these people. But essentially, they just wanted to have a better quality of life. Mm -hmm. And the way that they were able to achieve that was by planning this meticulous, long, drawn out thing that would allow them to see what the real world was like. Um, And even then, it's like adelaide versus red it's like damn i feel so bad for red because like it was originally her life but adelaide just wanted a better quality of life as well you know so even though she took the real adelaide's um i guess identity initially like she grew into this position she had her own kids she married and who knows if like how deep she actually felt those emotions, but she just wanted to live a better life too. So it's like, there's not really a bad guy in this movie. Granted, people did bad things, but you really just kind of end up sympathizing for both sides. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's pretty crazy. It was a pretty crazy movie. It was a really good movie. And of course, there were the little, um, no, like, you know, when people do things and it's like, oh, there were the little, like, odes to, like, thriller, if you notice the red, and then they had the one glove on their hand. Um, a lot of people were wondering why they used golden scissors to kill people. Uh, I read that Jordan Peele wanted to keep the duality of things, so how he had 1111 everywhere and he had doppelgangers. Scissors are two things that come together to make a whole. And then he also was discussing how like scissors are a household thing. They're very mundane. You use them to cut things. You don't think of them much. But essentially scissors could become literally a killing weapon. And they're very kind of creepy in that aspect of like you could literally use it to do a lot of damage. (laughs) Um, But you otherwise wouldn't be thinking of it because... It's a household thing unless your mind was in that in that place. But um, he just had a lot of little small 
Easter eggs throughout the whole movie. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think that those are the, are the type of movies that like scare me now. A lot of things that are just like make-believe or grandized or like stuff like that doesn't scare me anymore. I don't really get thrill out of that. But psychological thrillers, you got me there. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely couldn't sleep after I saw it the first time. Um, yeah, <laughs> I had to watch some like episodes of the Mindy Project just to close <laughs> my eyes. Because it is very creepy. It just, I was really creeped out when I left. And then, you know, in theory, it's like, okay, you wouldn't think that you have doppelgangers or whatever, but. Yeah. Look, we don't know what, we don't know what's out there. We don't know what's going on. Like, and the world is a very sinister place. Yeah. I mean, I try not to think too deeply about some of the things that go on in the world, but. Yeah, I mean, we we really are our own worst enemy. And so I think that's the whole movie, Us. It was, it tied into that greatly, you know. A great movie to explain 2019. People will watch this movie in 30, 40, 50 years if the world is still here. You know, if global <laughs> warming didn't take us out. People will watch this movie and be like, wow. Like, that is really a reflection of the times. Yeah, so... Yeah, that's definitely what I got out of the movie. Loved it. Can't wait till the next one that comes out. Um, love all the actors and actresses. I pretty much stand anyone who was black, except for the few that we have kicked out of the culture. <laughs> um, yeah. Any last comments? Um, not really. I'm just gonna make sure I go see it again. I'm going to go see it in the comforts of Penn Square's theater so I can recline with my blanket. With them $30 tickets. Whatever. And my Chick-fil-A <laughs> nuggets. Every time I go to the Penn Square theater, I have to go get me some nuggets from Chick-fil-A. I bring my, I bring my blanket and I post up. So, yeah, I'm definitely, I'm going to try and go see that again this week. Yeah. It was, um, it was a great movie. So... I guess for our A-list, well, I'm going to say for the A-list, I'm putting Jordan Pill on there because he broke the box office for um, highest grossing original horror film ever. So I just think that's amazing. Like, honestly, I am after, look, once he comes out with this third, whatever he's doing, I'm going to have to put him up there with Alfred Hitchcock. Look, look what he um, just said. His, it says, director Jordan Pill says, Black actors will continue to be the focus in his films going Yay! forward quote i don't see myself casting a white dude as the lead not that i don't like white dudes but i've seen that movie oh, 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 okay end, end over quote. and over and over end quote been there done that seen that that shit don't be scaring me no i'm sorry it just don't be scaring right. me right that's yeah. jordan Peele know how to scare me why because he can just tap to that root of the i don't know how he does it but I'm like, God, you trying to tell me I'm supposed to be a screenplay writer? Come on now. But, um, yeah, he's on the A-list. It's just, I think he's a genius. Like, how can you... He perfectly meshes humor and darkness. That dark humor, ugh, you know, it's just perfect. Yeah. It's right up my alleyway. 
Um, but yeah, so <laughs> that's my A-list. Um, I can't really think of anything else. Oh, Captain Marvel. If you haven't seen that movie, please go see it. Captain it's who? Marvel. Well, on the movie, it's Marvel, but Marvel. Um, she, that movie's great. Mm. I really liked it. Um, yes, go watch it. And Avengers Endgame, she will be returning in that. So that should be even more incentive to watch it. Mm-hmm. So for the D-list... I said Trump because they really came out with that report and had the audacity to say that there wasn't any collusion or that he wasn't like. Now, what they said that it it wasn't enough to support or deny. And now niggas are basically just saying that he's not guilty. Yeah. And it's like, that's not what they said. And it's just, and the thing is, and this is why you really just can't put anything past anything like, the, the past really three to four years have we've just been in a state of cognitive dissonance we literally see things with our eyes and then we'll see reports or or we'll read reports that literally say the exact opposite so it's starting to i feel like a lot of americans are starting to question what they see you can't even trust what you see with your own eyes anymore and that's because information is being put out that isn't true people try to um really trick you into thinking that you didn't see or hear what you saw or heard it's just i america's a fucking shit show how are you gonna tell me this man did not collude with russia when he literally did <laughs> we literally saw all the shit that he did dog that was crazy but what's even crazier is y'all thought that these niggas was really gonna put this man in jail right they just aren't. So. You can't. I lost tr- faith and trust in this fucking judicial system or government system, whatever, when he was fucking elected. Are you kidding me? Y'all see all the systems that are fucked up in America. Nothing will get fixed until we literally tear the shit down and create something that's not like what we have right now. Like, so he's on the fucking D list. The American government is on the D list because y'all suck. Y'all really suck. Y'all suck. And I just, I can't believe I'm living in this time right now. Um, you have any D-lists? Uh, no. I don't think so. Oh, oh, wait. Did you see that man who beat the bartender? Oh, yeah. The homeboy. This um bartender in Dallas. So, a girl, she was picking up a friend and came down the one-way street the wrong way. And I guess he said that she was blocking um the road and she i get they it didn't really look like they were really arguing to me it looked like he was just talking shit and she snapped back at him and he like put shoved her a little bit and so she hit him this nigga start taking like i felt those he was hitting the fuck out of he fucking man. uppercut the shit out of her several times and let alone that but this man after she moved her vehicle he still followed her and antagonized her. Pulled a gun on her. He had she, a gun in his hand while she, he was hitting her. Yeah, he fucking pistol whipped her. He pulled a gun on her. And then when she was trying to, I think, either call 911 or record him, he slapped her phone out of her hand. Once you fucking touch, if you fucking touch my shit, my property is fucking on. So, of course, she lunged at him mm-hmm. and she hit him back. And then he started pistol whipping her and uppercutting her. 
And this is what I just have to fucking say about that. I understand we're supposed to be godly and be made in God's image and we're supposed to do right and forgive, but I'm still a human being. And in the moment I saw that video, I wished the worst on his life. Yeah. I cursed his life as a Yoruba woman. But do you know he had the nerve to say that he fe- he feared for his life? Yeah. I, I fucking bet. And this is like, y'all, like, I really tried to be a good person. But, like, I'm not even going to say what I was going to say. <laughs> but, like, I honestly, listen, I honestly, whatever happens to him, whatever karma brings down on his head, he deserves it. Yeah. And I will not feel any type of way like how fucking dare you and then people were mad that the people recording didn't do nothing for one i don't know if i would have done anything either he had a fucking gun dog now i probably would have pressed the gas pedal a little harder in my car and just tapped him with it you know like (laughs) did a little love tap ran up on him and tapped him with it but like i just uh it's just it was honestly sickening and enraging to see that shit. Like, he fucking uppercut her multiple times, dog. Yeah, like, are you kidding me? And she, I don't give a fuck what she did. If you wanted to fucking subdue her, you could have hit her once. You could have pushed her and shoved her on the ground, dog. Yeah. But uppercut? Like, nah, you deserve the worst of the worst. And I don't feel bad for saying that. Because I'm, I'm human. And I'm still growing and learning. But that is where the energy is going to. I don't wish anything good for that man. Yeah. Like, so he's on the fucking D list. And I hope he can never get a job or never has peace in his life for the rest of his life. Okay, y'all. Yeah. Any better? <laughs> yes. Um, I don't really have anything else to say. Mm-hmm. Um, we really just wanted to kind of talk about the movie and talk about our thoughts on it before everybody... And their mama was putting out podcast episodes on it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let us know what y'all think. Let us know y'all's opinions on what you thought of the movie. Let us know if you liked it or didn't like it. Or if you want us to explain something further or deeper. Um, I talked a lot this episode. <laughs> but yeah, you can pretty much just tell that this is kind of my pastime. I really just like finding stuff out about stuff. But yeah, so um, I guess... That's it. That's it. We're going to close it up for y'all. So we'll see y'all on the next episode. I'm so keyed up till the joint be burning my hand. Next time I roll it in.